For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come and You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's two up top this evening, and that means leading the line from the front and wearing the captain's armband is Carl. So, Carl, how have you been this past week? Yeah, unreal this week, mate. Um, I think, you know, we probably didn't dream of having a week like this when it began. So, I'm looking forward to this one and uh, can't wait to discuss all things Spurs again. Absolutely, mate. This one should be a good one. With that said, James is off trying to get us some last-minute deals over the line, so he'll be back next week. However, fear not, because also making his first appearance of the season is Patrick. So, Patrick, it has been a while, mate, but how have you been since we last spoke? Uh, I feel fantastic. Um, spirits are high, my chest is high, I'm walking around proud, and yeah, I'm just happy to be a Spurs fan right now. Top man. Right, before we talk about a certain week in football that's just passed, it's time for the return of the hit segment, Tell Us About Yourself. And Patrick, you've got the questions this week. They're really easy. Some quick fire questions just to set us into the show and they are here now. So, Patrick, when did you first start supporting Tottenham? Um, I've been a Spurs fan all my life, so probably from the age of five, six, seven years old when I first started watching football. So how old are you now then? Let's see the maths. I am 37. Oh, Jeez, wow. I have to think about that for a second. So, so yeah. So, so basically all my life, as long as I can remember, I've been a Spurs fan. Top man, a good amount of vintage there. So with that in mind, who's your favourite <laughs> player growing up? Uh, it'd have to be Gareth Bell. I, I say growing up, obviously that's, you know. <laughs> growing up. <laughs> he's, a, he's my favourite Spurs player. I'm probably Gazza as a, as a youngster, but Bale is my all-time favourite. Okay, mate. So if you've got Bale as a sort of growing up favourite, will that carry over to your favourite player in the current squad? Or have you got another name for me? Uh, favourite player now, Harry Kane and Son. It's so hard. I'm torn between both of them. No, no, that's understandable, mate. And finally... <laughs> Which player have you always had a soft spot for, which is perhaps a little left field? Maybe that someone else doesn't really love. It's not sort of overwhelming love, but someone that you've always uh, taken a shine to. Nasser Chadley. I was really disappointed when he left. I, I felt that he didn't, we didn't get to see the best of him, but he was a really good player. That's a fair shout, actually. Yes, he always done bits for us. I think, you know, steady yeah. numbers. So, yeah, I like That's that one. It. Really good player. Really good player. Good shout, Patrick. Right, that is the end of Tell Us About Yourself for this week. Now, let's do the social media bits first so we can dissect Sunday and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Come On You Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at CIS underscore COM and we're on all the major audio platforms. That's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If we're not on one, let us know. We'll get it on there and then we're all happy. And we're going to be happy now because we're going to get down to business. And that business, Carl, is a week that from a footballing point doesn't really get any better, does it? Because there's two portions of progress in the cup and... An emphatic win at Old Trafford. And if we're honest, I don't think we expected all of that now, did we? No, I think this week was always going to be a hard week for us, wasn't it? You know, I think we all thought that the Carabao Cup would probably just be too much for us, given the games and the squad that was going to be put out there. Um, I think we all probably felt quite confident about the Europa League and, and seeing ourselves qualify for the group stage. Um, didn't expect the kind of solid result that we got in that game, but I think we kind of was all confident we'd get the win. Um, and then, to be honest, no one, and, and I mean no one, would have told you they expected what happened at the weekend. Um, and that has kind of just finished off a real tough week, but 
has really given us some great momentum that we can now, you know, carry and take on with us because, you know, the performances have been great. The goals have been flying in. You know, the squad is now settling some good additions. And I think we're now seeing that, you know, we, we could have a side that if we can carry on like that, then, you know, maybe top four is back on the agenda for this season. So, Patrick, it's almost difficult to find a starting point for this whole week. And there are so many positives. I think we should probably start with Tuesday and try and work our way towards the end of the week. So, apologies to the listeners if this is a bit scattergun. But there is so much, it's sort of going to go in many directions. So, first up, is it fair to say that Mourinho pulled the wall over Frank Lampard and Chelsea with those Carabao-based comments this time last week? Yeah, definitely. I mean, to be fair, when he said, oh, you know, we'll probably have to sacrifice the Carabao Cup, I was like, you know what? I understand that we've got two massive games in the in the sense of the Europa League game and then obviously the league game. So I thought maybe the Carabao Carabao Cup game came just a bit too early in regards to obviously such a tough week fixture wise. But to be fair, first half wasn't good, but second half we definitely did a number on them, and um, yeah, I think we deserved that. Uh, it was a fantastic performance, and it just goes to show, you know, a coach like Jose, you can really see the metal and and he's just you know so experienced and so wise when it comes to performances like that yeah I think we're in what episode five for this season and everyone who's been on this show has universally said if there was a sacrificial lamb it would be the Carabao Cup and yes you'd be miffed that you've lost to Chelsea and yes you're miffed that you're out of one cup that you could have a chance of winning you know at the start of the season however there was a sense of greater good that being going on far into the opening dare I say winning it at the same time, now that we've sort of cleared that hurdle, Cole, there is a sense that, you know, sometimes as Tottenham fans, we think, oh, we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves. We think, oh, hang on, you know, we're too optimistic. But this past week has given us plenty of reasons to be cheerful. Yeah, definitely. I think, like as we said, you know, it, we I think we would have been prepared to say if, if one cup has got to go in this, you know, ridiculous schedule of fixtures that we got, then I think we all quite happily would have gone, you know what, as long as we don't get embarrassed against Chelsea and we just maybe lose a tight game, then OK, I'd accept it because, you know, as you say, there are greater things to go for. Um, but winning that game... And then finishing the week off the way we have and now, you know, coming through the worst of that kind of fixture pile up, it does make you kind of reevaluate, doesn't it, where we are now and actually say, well, hang on a minute. We've got through this. We've now got Stoke away, which, you know, Stoke on a Tuesday or Wednesday is not the tough test that it used to be, you know, a good few years ago. And we should feel confident we can get through that game. And now you actually say, well, do you know what? Actually, maybe the League Cup is back on the agenda again now. And maybe it is something that, you know, we can now actually focus on when, when this comes around and actually try to say, well, yeah, actually, why not? Why can't we win this this year? Um, so, as you say, the end of this week has brought so many positives around. Um, and I don't feel I say, just weren't expecting that many positives from it. And I do believe now we will change our focus slightly when it comes to that competition. Well, this is it, Patrick, because, you know, you shouldn't overlook Stoke. It is a cup game and we don't want to get our fingers burnt and think, you know, we're in the semis already. But if we get past Stoke, it's a semi-final of one leg. Win that, you're in the final. You know, all of a sudden the Carabao Cup is not a burden. It's a very, very viable prospect of a trophy. Yeah, exactly that. And um, like you said, I mean, we shouldn't overlook Stoke because it's a cup game and anything can happen. But... That is definitely a winnable fixture. The way we're playing, uh, the confidence will be higher within the camp. We're scoring goals for fun. We look a lot 
better defensively, dare I say it. Um, and everyone's going to be up for impressing. And, you know, that's a, it's a winnable, it's a winnable game. And then once you get to the semi-finals and the finals, hopefully it's a winnable cup. And if we get that in the bag early on in the season, that can then lead to greater things, you know, down the line. So yeah, really excited, really uh, exciting times ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Cause you think Cole, how Man City seemed to use the Carabao Cup in that season as their sort of ignition spot for the, the final third. That's always the catapult for even greater things. So if we're looking at it from a Tottenham point of view, if that happens, and dare I say we're still in the Europa League, where it's all go then, isn't it? Yeah, I think, like as you say, you know, I think over the years we've all kind of just felt, haven't we, that we maybe, you know, we just needed to get one cup win over the line with this squad. And then, you know, that feeling and that experience and, you know, getting it done, um, could be the fact that then leads to greater things and more follow. Um, so, yeah, the way that we've got the squad, which seems to be more balanced now with the players that have come in, the way they seem to be gelling, you would like to think that, as you say, if we could get the Carabao Cup in the bag early this season, the confidence that would bring um, to the whole squad and the whole club then you would be sitting there saying, well, there's no reason now why, you know, that we're not going to get silly and say we're suddenly going to go and win the title. Although, given the way results are going at the moment, who knows who's going to win the title this year? Um, you would sit there and think it would give everyone the confidence to say, well, listen, why couldn't we bag a League Cup and the Europa League together um, and suddenly have a season where, you know, when one hasn't come along for a long while, we're suddenly double cup winners or something, you know, in fifth or fourth in the league. And then you are suddenly sitting there thinking, well, wow, could this really be the catalyst that gets the club going um, and sets us off on the right path to what we, you know, maybe could have done a couple of seasons ago? Now, Patrick, if we're going to look into our crystal balls and get ahead of ourselves, and why not because of the week we've had, if you look at Jose Mourinho's appointment, it's almost like a, how should we put this, a three-act play, where the first act is what we saw last season, you know, a bit rough around the edges, a bit of a struggle to watch, finishing six. You know, you think after what's happened, OK, fair enough. This middle act could be the launch pad that if we get a trophy or dare I say two, as Carl says, then it could go into even greater things, you know, going into the Champions League. Dare I even say we're in a Premier League. So it's not about necessarily what happens this season. If you were to take Mourinho's three season length, that could be the sort of the overall sum of all these parts. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're seeing... Uh, we're seeing a much more resilient Spurs team these days. Like, um, you know, for example, on Sunday, we went 1-0 down within the space of a minute. Usually against a, a good team like Man United, you'd see the players crumble, their shoulders drop, and that would probably be it. And we'd end up getting spanked 3-4 or 5-0. But yesterday, you saw the fight and the character. Within seven minutes, eight minutes, we were 2-1 up. And then we, we bounced back from there. And you are starting to see a much stronger, more resilient team. I mean, we saw in the All or Nothing DVD how Jose was saying he wants us to be, you know, uh, see you next Tuesdays, but smart, see you next Tuesdays. And um, it was, yeah, you just were starting to see the team in Jose's image. It's a much more balanced squad now. The players that are coming in all seem to be of the same sort of character, the same sort of mould. We brought a few winners in as well. Uh, so, yeah, we are starting to really see that side of Jose now. It's starting to make sense. Yeah, I think the penny's starting to drop. And Carl, in terms of the football itself, it's a bit of a cliche, but you almost don't want the international break to come around because of the momentum. So, you know, we've looked at the horror show of the fixed schedule thus far. We've pretty much cleared it. So how much of a quick turnaround is that sort of doing for us in terms of favours? You know, are we sharp because of so much football? 
Yeah, I think this is always the kind of fine line between that early Europa League football, isn't it? Where you sit there and go, you know, the fact that you start playing games so early, you suddenly do, you know, we have seen in the past teams kind of have a, a quite a good start because they are fitter than the rest of the teams around them because they've been playing more competitive matches. I think, you know, we've probably been helped in a little way that the fact that you know, those early Europa League games normally come pre-season, whereas this year they've been kind of thrown in around the actual season starting. So I don't think, you know, we've been as effective as teams in the past. And I'm hoping that that will mean the fact that, you know, we're not as burnt out as we've seen them teams really sort of fade um, towards the middle, latter part of the season. But you kind of hope that won't happen to us this year. We've used the squad wisely. Um, and, you know, we've had to do that. And you do just kind of hope that, yeah, we've got this momentum now. Um, and as you've rightly said there, Dan, it, it couldn't be a worse time for the international break to come around, really, because, you know, we don't now want to see players going off. And then, you know, you've always got the fear that someone's going to get cropped on international duty. Um, and with our track record for injuries, you kind of, you know, you're praying anyway at the best of times that during the week you don't need nothing from training. Um, so we really could have done without this break and just carried on getting into some more games because the way we're playing and the way Kane and Son are performing, um, you would kind of feel there's more goals to be had there and we really could be racking the points up. So it is a bad time for an international break, but let's just hope everyone goes away, you know, wrap, wrap them up in cotton wool as much as we can, get them back. And like I say, everyone's feeling good and we can just take this on into the season and see how far we go. But, you know, I'm hoping we won't be as affected in the later stages because we've used the squad quite wisely. So, Patrick, with that in mind, how how do we sort of avoid burnout towards the end of the season? Because it does happen. You know, you get out of the blocks quickly, you're firing through teams, but then by March, April, you've got nothing left in the tank. So how do Mourinho and his medical staff try and allay those fears Will having a big or bigger squad than usual see us good in the final third? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you can see Jose's being really smart and tactical with his um, substitutions and even selection. Like, he, he dragged Son off at half-time and then, he, you know, he, he, he did a blind on Man United. Uh, everyone thought he was injured, but Son was obviously fit, firing and ready to go and he started and obviously, you know, played really well and, and pretty much killed them with the two goals and his movement in behind running off Kane. But, you know, to, to everyone else, we thought Son was injured and that he was out for a couple of weeks of a hammy. Um, he's, we've got a second striker now, thank God. So that will give Kane a bit of rest and rotation and also give us an option to rest other players and maybe even possibly play two up top. And then, as you can see now, we've got strength and depth in pretty much every position. So there will be good rotation. We won't have to play the same players week in and week out. So that should give us that that bit of vibe and bounce um, later on in the season when, you know, players start getting tired and they need a rest or, you know, you need to switch things up. We haven't had that for a long time, but now it's now looking like we have a really balanced squad with a lot of depth and a lot of quality. Well, Carl, if we look at the squad and we also look at Mourinho's, shall we say, MO, that when he took over at Chelsea, uh, phase one, what was it, 2004-2005, his sort of idea was, I always want a squad which has, you know, a replacement, direct replacement for each player. So a 22, 23-man squad and each man of the starting eleven can be interchanged easily. We're almost at that stage with Tottenham now, aren't we? Yeah, you know, like as you say, when, when you look round the squad now, you do kind of feel confident that 
well, okay, if you know, if this if Song can't play as much as it's a blow, we've now got Bow, you've got Mori, you've got Bergvine, you know, if if Lacelso can't play, you've got Tangai, you've got you know, you've got Sissoko, you've got all these guys that you can actually say right. As you say, and now the fullbacks, especially. I mean, that's that's one of the biggest changes. And you know, we'll probably come on to the United game and Aurier, and we have to give him credit for the way he's stepped up so far this season. You know, Doherty came in. We all probably felt, well, that's the end of Serge. He'll be gone. Um, but he seems to have just taken that challenge on and gone, okay, you, you know, I'm going to fight for my place now. And he's put in some really good displays. We've now got, you know, on the left side, Davies, who we all know is a steady Eddie. And I don't think none of us complain about the fact that he's a steady Eddie. But we've now know that we can use him in the right games. And when we now want to look for pace to break teams down, we bring, you know, we bring in this super quick new left back that we've got who started so well. Um, and we are. You're looking at the whole squad thinking, yeah, listen, there's rotation there and there's options. And as we say, the final piece was bringing in a backup striker. I would say backup striker, but a second option. Um, somebody we can now look at certain games, especially you're probably going to look at the Europa League games where you can say, OK, Kane, you know, we don't need you to start this game. You can start on the bench and we'll see how it goes. And yes, maybe if we're struggling, we might bring you on. But if the job's done, we can just wrap you up and save you for bigger matches. And it is, you know, you are looking, thinking this just wasn't something that we had um, a little while ago. You, we normally just had a good 11 and, and that was pretty much it. You look across our squad now and you think, no, there's talent there. As you say, there's 22, 23 players that you go, yeah, you know, if one of them has to start, you know they'll do a job and probably do a reasonable job. So it must be so refreshing as a manager to have those sort of options. And I think that is what will hold us in good stead come the latter stages of the season because those teams who have struggled in the past have been sides like Burnley where they have got you know limited squad numbers and limited quality and then that burnout just affects their key players so I think we should be really encouraged by what we've done and I guess we will have to sit there and say some credit to, to Daniel Levy and the board for finally it looks like acting and giving the manager the right tools to do the job. Well, in a perverse way, that Everton defeat might have been, dare I say, the best thing that's happened to us in quite a while because I don't think we would have got that much of a catapult into the transfer market. I mean, it's impossible to say now because who's to know what deals were going on anyway. But, you know, had we won, would there have been such a clamour? Would there have been such a crisis mode on social media and everything that comes with it? I don't think there would have been. So, you know, sometimes things start bad, they turn out better, and then we reap the rewards. Talking of reaping the rewards, Patrick, so Tuesday's win over Chelsea... Afterwards, a lot of people were saying, well, we wouldn't have won that game under Poch. That in itself is a moot point because we're never going to know, are we? You know, it's just, it's done, it's history. So with that said, do we need to stop looking back at our former manager and using that as a constant frame of reference? Yeah, I mean, it's such a hard one, isn't it? Because it's, you know, we're all so in love with Pochettino and we all love him for what he'd done for the club and the status that he brought to the club and, you know, how he elevated us and the players. Um, but we do need to move on and, um, yeah, just stop almost bad-mouthing him in a way because, um, you know, we don't know if we would have won that game on the potch. I do get what they mean. We know that Jose has that savviness about him and he has a bit of a, a ruthless streak that maybe people didn't see in the latter stages of Pochettino. But, yeah, it's a bit disrespectful when people keep saying that. Um, 
you know, I don't want to say if it's true or not because no one knows, but I understand where they're coming from, but we do need to move away from that. And let's just appreciate Jose for what he is. Uh, and yeah, let's just enjoy this new era and enjoy what's taking shape because we can see that there is something bubbling up quite nicely here. And uh, let's enjoy the ride. Absolutely, mate. Very well put. So, Carl, in that game, you just mentioned our new left-back. As debuts go, it was an indifferent start. It was good overall, but let's be honest, for their goal, he was sent for that hot dog, wasn't he? Yeah, I think that's one of those. He, he, you could see he was trying so hard yeah. at the start of the game, wasn't he? Um, yeah, sorry, I, I had to, yeah. <laughs> had it's all right, Patrick. Now. It's all right, mate. Yeah. Yeah, no, the way Aspilicueta <laughs> yeah, <Aspen Aquera> was, <laughs> the way he chopped him. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that is one of them cases that, you know, when you get a debut, you know, we've all played football, so you've all gone and, you know, started and had your first game for a team and you are just pumped up to go out and try and show what you've got so early on. And I think that was just that sort of, you know, over exuberance, trying to do too much, trying, you know, trying to just put on a good show. But then he settled himself down, um, you know, probably, you know, a couple of people may have had a word and just said, listen, you know, don't panic. Just just do what you do and you'll be fine. And, and it turned out to be the case, you know, by the end of the game, he was causing Chelsea lots of trouble down that left side. Um and then since then, his performances, he's looked impressive, hasn't he? You know, we look like you can see there's a real player there. Um, and if he just carries on doing that, what he's been doing, then he'll become a fan's favourite very quickly. Um, and he'll make that place his own. Uh, and just really encouraging signs from him. But yeah, you know, those those first ones, um, you were sitting there thinking, oh, oh, gold. But please hope that this is just this guy trying to impress too much. But obviously, you know, on Twitter, the reactionary fan base that we've got, people calling him the new Serge Aurier after like 10 minutes. Um, and it was quite interesting to see some of those people go very quiet by the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, there's a few sort of deleted tweets that almost sort of just vanished come full time. But, you know, that's people's uh, business, I guess. But Patrick, you know, we should be honest and um, giving credit to our new left back because, as Carl said, he has not only grown into that game and was a real four in um, Chelsea's side down the left. But also, you know, Man United game, absolutely sterling. So it looks like the player we almost forgot when he signed with Bale is going to come good, coming good already. And there's a lot more to come still. I know, that's it. Because he came in literally and it was announced on the same day Bale was announced, we kind of overlooked him. But he was La Liga's best left-back last um, season. You know, he's voted in the, uh, in the La Liga team of the season. Obviously, he's all, he's already a winner, uh, winning uh, Europa League uh, Cup with uh, Sevilla. So this guy's got quality. He's got pace and abundance. Uh, the great thing about him as well is he can pick a pass. You know, he he's the one that assisted Lamella for his goal in, in on Tuesday. But he does look assured. He looks steady, um, rapid as well, super fast, and he just gives us another option. It's it's been a while since we've had those dynamic, you know, flying fullbacks uh, when like when we had Carl Walker and Danny Rose in their prime. And now with um, him on one side and Doherty on the other, we've kind of got a lot more width and, yeah, just more creativity coming from the flanks. So it's really exciting, really exciting times ahead. And Cole, where do you think our, shall we say, never say die attitude came from on Tuesday? Because if you're honest, Frank Lampard has pulled a number on us since he's taken over at Chelsea. And even sort of towards the first half, you're thinking, oh, here we go again. But with a much changed lineup, 
what do you think the difference was in sort of spirit and drive this time around? Yeah, it really hard to tell, wasn't it? Because I must admit, as you say, Dan, the first half was was pretty tough watching, wasn't it? You know, we didn't seem to be able to hold the ball, couldn't string two passes together. And that was the sort of performance where I'm thinking, I don't mind losing to Chelsea in this competition in a way because we know what's going on. But I don't want it to be as bad as this. Um, I want us to put up a fight. Um, so when halftime come, I must admit, I didn't see that turnaround coming in the second half. You know, he thought the, the second half could be more of the same and they'll probably go and nick a second. Whatever Jose said at halftime, whatever changes they made, I'm telling you now, it, that was a game of two halves because we came out and dominated that second half. And by the end of the game, actually, you were sitting there saying, well, it, it was reasonably disappointing not to have nicked it in the normal time rather than just doing it in penalties. But we were so much better. You know, I think there was just more of an intensity, more pace, more directness. Um, and it looked like we just said, listen, Chelsea are not doing this to us again. So come on, let's get out here. And we put this in and we put this to bed. Um, and you just got to give them full credit because, as I say, it would have been easy just to kind of whimper out. They didn't. And I think they shocked Chelsea with that performance. And I, and I don't think Chelsea expected what they got in the second half at all. Patrick, there was no extra time. Go straight to penalties. And when you want penalties, you know, they were perfect. Five from five. I think, really, you've got to hold your hands up and say, job well done. Yeah, definitely a job well done. Because um, you saw, I think, last last year we went out on penalties to, was it Norwich? Or, can't, uh, sorry, someone even worse than that. I think we went out to, uh, to a League Two side, Colchester, I think, on penalties last year. Yeah. Um, so... To see, you know, nicely slotted away penalties. Everyone that stepped up uh, was cool, calm and collected. It was quite funny because we kept going down the same side and I was like, please don't go down that side again. But it's like mind games because the keeper obviously didn't believe that, that we would go down the same side again and he kept going the wrong way. But yeah, no, it was brilliant, brilliant. And again, that gives us more confidence, that air of belief and, um, you know, long may it continue if we get to penalties next time. Yeah, you mentioned the goalkeeper for Chelsea, their new one, Carl. I don't know about you, but did you sort of invoke the image of Peter Shilton in the 1990 World Cup semi-final, just always diving in the same direction? Yeah, there was a little bit of that. <laughs> there was. Using, using England and Spurs at penalties is that same sort of thing, isn't it? You know, as soon as it goes to penalties, you think, there's no way we're winning this. Yeah. No way we're going to win it. Um, and obviously, as Patrick said there, you know, we, we lost two pretty big penalty shootouts recently, haven't we? You know, one to Chelsea in last in this pre-season before as Carabao Cup. And Dyer kind of steps up and makes amends for that night. Um, and you were sitting there thinking, oh, you know, I'm not sure here. But I will say, I think Larice has become brilliant at penalties he really does go the right way more often than not now and gets very close to most penalties that that he faces um which was something he wasn't that great at when he first come and the actual penalties themselves i mean even when you look at hoiberg i mean i must admit when hoiberg stepped yeah. up that was the one i thought oh I don't fancy this, to be honest. I think this could be the one that's going to end up costing us. But he put that in the side netting and you're thinking, wow, you know, well, if this guy's sticking them away like that, we, maybe we can't lose. Um, and as it turned out, you know, that last penalty, I think it, un it was unnerving, wasn't it? Because everyone had struck their penalties so well. When you're that fifth guy taking that last one with a pressure, you know, listen, I'm going to be the one who could look silly here. And I think that pressure possibly got to Mason Mount. Um, 
but as well some good goalkeeping there because you know Larice gets even if that's on target I think Larice is possibly getting it because um, he was well across that side so just great penalties great goalkeeping and just a great squad effort on that night it really was well you mentioned Scheuberg and I think him slotting that penalty I know it didn't win the game for us but that in itself just grows so much confidence in him. And I think it's confidence, Patrick, that we would have then seen displayed on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, he was immense. I know the plaudits will go to Son and Kane and even end on Bele, but Hoiberg was so assured and just literally just cleaned everything up. He didn't allow any attacks to, to develop, you know, was was getting uh, first to the ball. Uh, and also a nice... Uh, a through ball to, to um, Aurier for his goal. So you're seeing the other side of him. You know, we know he can break up play. We know he can tackle. We know he can pass, but he's actually providing that killer ball and that killer through ball now. So, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he's looking better and better each week. I mean, I always, I always thought he was a really tidy and neat DM. Um, but after the Everton game, there was a lot of question marks whether he could cut it out at our level. But he's now showing that he is a player. Yeah, he's making a first-team place his own. And there was a little clip, I don't know if anyone else saw it, but Aurier did a tackle and Hoiberg was sort of double fist-pumping, going, yeah, come on. And you just think, <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is what I want to yeah. see, actually. This is great. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, I saw that. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. You know, just... It's I such... think he, he, he looks like a leader, doesn't yeah. he, on the pitch. I get the impression he's someone that's going to go round during a game and just G-ing people up. And as you say, the first couple of games, you're sitting there thinking, oh... You know, this is this has not been a great start so far. But since then, the games that he's played since then, he's done such a good job breaking play up, just giving it to the more influential players and saying, well, OK, here you go. You go and do your stuff now. Um, and if he just grows from strength to strength as he is after this game, then we'll have a great player on our hands there. Fingers crossed that is the case. So, Carl, I'll stay with you because did you have 31 seconds on your penalty bingo card yesterday? <laughs> well, I, I think across all of Twitter, we possibly had it. Yeah. I've never seen so much penalty talk on my timeline oh, no. before that game and yesterday. But, you know, given the way the season has started in terms of penalties, it's probably a good bet now that you'll have a penalty in a game. But when that after thirty seconds you're sitting there thinking, I don't believe this, you know. We we all everyone was saying it was gonna happen. You're quietly hoping it won't and uh, VAR had said, you know, listen, let's calm these handballs and that down. But it, it was an atrocious tackle as well, wasn't it? And just not the start you was expecting and one that just started making you think this probably won't be our day today um, if that's going to go against us this early in the game. There was enough time for another seven United penalties from that point. Well, yes, I mean, if you were to say another cliche that there was plenty of time to get back into the game and there certainly was. And I guess, Patrick... If there was to take any comfort from that penalty, it was a stonewall one. It wasn't, you know, as iffy as it was seven days before. So there was always that. With that said, you know, as Carl has alluded to, the ball goes in, you're 30 seconds down the line, you're thinking, oh, God, here we go. Like another big six away day when we've just not turned up. Thankfully, within three minutes, it's all level. Bit scrappy, but they all count. And I think you've got to admire the anticipation from Undumbele, because last season, he's not shown that at all, is he? Exactly that. I mean, the hunger and the tenacity. You saw Lamella, you know, being busy in the box. Obviously, the ball. <laughs> I don't know what their defenders were thinking. They was almost playing volleyball with it. <laughs> but, uh, but then Dombele, like you said, chasing up, anticipating, being in the right place at the right time, and he slotted it away. And then from there, we grew into the game. And um, yeah, it was total domination. Even with eleven versus eleven, 
I think we would have won that game quite comfortably. But as you said, I mean, we all knew there would be a penalty and we all knew Bruno Fernandes would probably score it. But when it happened with 30 seconds on the clock, I was thinking, ah, oh, here we go again. But thankfully, you know, because I said earlier, I went into this game very confident and I was almost, it's like a false sense of security. I was thinking, why am I so confident? Every time we're so confident going into a big game, it usually goes the wrong way. But thankfully, this time it didn't. And yeah, that scoreline, I could have never anticipated that, but I'll take it all day long. Well, I mean, let's be honest, even any Tottenham fan in their wildest dreams, no one's picking 6-1 away at Old Trafford. And if you are, I don't believe you, because it's just not happening, is it really? But um, you mentioned Son earlier, Patrick, and the injured, in inverted commas. Do you think that was mind games again from Mourinho, you know, sort of taking him off last Sunday? Was there an element of precaution? Was he sort of magically healed within a week? What do you think actually played out there? Oh, I do think, I definitely think it was mind games. I don't think he was injured. I do think Jose was being smart and saving him for the big games. But then to, the fact that he came out to the press and said he was injured, it, it lulled, you know, Man United into a false sense of security. Because obviously they wouldn't have prepared to play Son. Son's one of the best players in the Premier League. And if he's out, it gives any team a boost, doesn't it? So they would have been ready thinking that he's not playing. And then all of a sudden you're hearing, oh, Son's travelled on the team bus. Son's got off at Old Trafford, you know, thinking, huh, what's going on here? And then, uh, yeah, so it was a brilliant bit of sportsmanship by uh, Jose there. So, Cole, Son's going to go down in the history books for scoring our second goal, but I think you've got to give credit to Kane once again. Their link-up play on display once more, you know, not just that very quick free kick, but also just that quarterback-style passing that we saw again. If you think he's doing that for Son and we've got a certain Gareth Bale waiting in the wings, it's going to get quite interesting in a couple of weeks' time, isn't it? Yeah, the, the Son and Kane partnership at the moment is, is lethal. And, and I'd imagine there's no defence that want to face that. Kane, Kane is brilliant. You know, for me, I still sit there and say right now, him and Lewandowski, I don't think there's much between them in terms of who's the better player. And you, you'd struggle to find better centre forwards in world football. What Kane does it is unreal. And the the guy, when he can pick the ball up, turn anybody that lets Kane turn and put his head up to look at trying to pick a pass when you've got a player like Son who can do you for pace um, and as you said hopefully soon Gareth Bale making some runs then you're in big trouble because the guy is one of the best passers I've seen of a football for a long while um, and you just know he'll make the right pass and I think Son said, you know, for the second goal, soon as Harry picks that up and he can see him put the ball down, he knows just to make the run because he knows the ball's going to end up where it needs to be. Um, and I tell you, long may that continue. But there is a lesson there for teams if they want to try and, you know, hurt us. Don't let Kane get the ball and turn. But I reckon that's easier said than done, to be honest. So, Patrick, at 2-1, it's perhaps not the turning point, but certainly pivotal to the game. Martial gets sent off, and I think you have to say that Lamella has set a trap for him and he just walked into it. So, with that in mind, and taking our Tottenham bias away for a moment, do you think that Lamella should have seen some form of disciplinary action at the same time? Uh, it's, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because, you know, if I'm being unbiased, then possibly, but how many times have we been done by someone being smart and cute like that? So, you know, it's... Or how many times have we given away penalties where someone's not really had any contact and they've gone down? So it's like the dark arts, isn't it? And you've got a player like Lamella who is he is a he is a pain in the ass, isn't he? He's someone that really does ruffle the feathers of opposing fans and players. But 
yeah, credit to him. Sometimes you've got to be smart and you've got to do, you know, do something a bit untowards to get a reaction. And he did it, a Martial bit, and, you know, the rest is history. Well, this is it, Cole. I guess if we put our Tottenham bias back on, it's one of these acts that if it goes in your favour, you're thinking, yes, great work. If it goes against you, you're absolutely fuming, aren't you? Sort of thinking, what the hell is the referee doing today? So really, we're not going to moan all that much, are we? No, I mean, you know, we, we've got some, some memories of things against us at Old Trafford in yep. the past oh, as well, yeah. haven't we? You know, Pedro Mendes, you know, the ball's literally in the back of the net when Carroll pours it out. Um, <laughs> so it's about time we got something in our way at Old Trafford. But I was like, you you know, for me, I don't know what you guys are the same. Obviously, we never saw the incident at first. You just see the ref give a red card and Lamella's on the floor. When I saw the replays and you see Lamella's arm first, I was actually sitting there thinking, well, if they've sent Martial off here, from what I can see, from what I've seen, Lamella's going to go as well when this gets reviewed by VAR. So I was very surprised that Lamella didn't see red as well. But as you say, I'll take it all day long. You know, yes, maybe it, it was soft. You'd be embarrassed slightly, you know, for going down with a little tap on the chin. But as we say, it is something we've suffered from and other teams have done to us in the past. Um, and if it means we benefit for it, then I'll bring shit house on all season, as they say. Well, 100%. Yeah. I mean, just just going back to last season and sure. um, uh, the, the Rudiger-Son one, where Son literally flicked his leg up, there was no contact. Rudiger rolled around like he was shot and Son got sent off. So, you know, we've, we've been on the other end of it so many times. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't really want to see your team be defined as dirty, but mm. there is, you know, at what price do you want to win? That ultimately is the question. Now, like I say, yesterday, that wasn't the pivotal moment, but if that's going to sort of happen 35 games in a row, you're sort of thinking, hang on, there might be a sort of current trend going on here that we need to sort of nip in the bud. Then again, if it wins matches, how many complaints are there going to be? So I think it's nice that... Tottenham have got a bit of steel, a bit of niceness about them. Something that me and Carl have said for a while now that we kind of want a bit more of. Because it's all very well winning friends and being nice, but hasn't really won us anything in the grand scheme of things. So if that's the change that's needed, bring it on. But also, Patrick, we were much beneficiaries of May United's awful defending. So they're 2-1 down, they're a man down. Eric Bailly, with the most disgusting hospital pass you've seen in a long time, at that point, once the Kane effort is sort of started home with ease that's game over then really isn't it yeah game over comical defending I mean you've got Harry Maguire 80 million pound uh, centre back Bailly came in for decent money and is highly rated you know they've got in terms of their squad I know they might not be the best defensively but there's players there so when you're seeing stuff like that against a good team like Tottenham, you're just thinking, wow, it's game over. So, yeah, gifted goals. But then also, we put them under a lot of pressure. If you you know notice, we were really pressing them high in the pitch. Uh, we were being smart with our pressing. It wasn't, you know, a full-on press 24-7, but we, we really pressed uh, when they were trying to pass the ball out. They didn't look comfortable, and we, we really put it on them. And it led to a lot of mistakes. Well, Cole... At that point, it's 3-1. But even before the sending off, there was about a five-minute blitz where it could have been three or four anyway, really. So we were over them like a red rash. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we were. I mean, I have to admit, even at 3-1, I wasn't feeling, I, I, in my opinion, I wasn't comfortably sitting there thinking, <laughs> game one, here we go. I was in the ground the day when we were three up at half-time thinking, well, this is it, game one. You know, United are out of this. 
Um, so you always have those sort of scars that make you think we probably still need another couple at least. But as you say, even before the third, I think, as you said, Dan, there's about a five minute spell where Lamella has one that just goes wide. Aurea is steaming and smashes one wide. Um, and you're thinking we can, we can score for fun here. Um, and if we just get the right through balls, you know, Son has one over the top, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Where he just miscontrols it, where he's one on one with the Gaia. And you're just thinking we, there is goals here all day, you know, and when it, it always helps when, you know, Maguire's dragging his own defenders to the floor to help you score goals. Yeah, no. It's like, yeah, you're going to block this now. Paul, you're just out of the way. Let this bloke have a shot. Um, so that always helps. But I think, as we've said, I think even without that sending off, I think that game probably still could have finished 6-1, even something like 6-2 or something silly. But we was always going to win because United just can't defend. Um for, for Toffee at the moment uh, and we're so deadly up top with Kane and Son right now they will take advantage of any slips and if you're going to give us the amount of slips you give us in that game then be prepared to get what you get So Patrick in a result such as this and let's be honest it was quite a freak occurrence there's always a lack of credit for the winning team you know it's always about the funeral the post-mortem that happens afterwards you only have to look at Sky Sports and it was like a wake afterwards isn't it so you know, how much credit should Tottenham be getting for this and not necessarily glossing over the fact that they've hit May night for six and it's them doing bad. It should really be us doing very good. You know what? I was thinking that. But then also, in a way, I'd rather that we continue to go under the radar because I think we, I believe we've had an excellent transfer window. I know you guys will touch on it next week. And that's gone under the radar as well. We've brought in players that's gone under the radar. We've quietly put in some good performances, like even against Newcastle. I know we ended up drawing 1-1, but we should have been way out of sight before they scored their penalty. Again, the performance went under the radar. Uh, when we beat... Um, who did we... We beat a team 5-1 or 5-2, whichever it was. Southampton. That went under the radar. Yeah, Southampton, that's it. So I'd, I, I'm happy to, to continue plodding along, going under the radar, and then all of a sudden... It's Christmas time and everyone's wondering what the hell, where did this come from? So yeah, let let in a way I'm a, I'm a bit insulted because it should be wow, well how how good were Tottenham? But it's more they're talking about how bad the other team was. But hey, I'll roll with it for now. Yeah, I can understand that. There's no harm in being under the radar at all. So Cole, what I also liked after the break is it wasn't a case of you know four one job done. Keep turning that screw. You know, all of a sudden it's five one. Sergio Aurier got the goal, which we mentioned earlier. And I think, really, dare I say, one of his best performances in the Tottenham shirt. Yeah, I, I think so. I can't think of a better game he's had, to be honest. Um, he was brilliant. You know, all day long he was making that run. He was in, you know, could have had a, he could have had a hat-trick himself, in all honesty. Um, and if he plays like that, then you would sit there and say... I don't want to see him shipped out right now. If this is if this is what it's going to be, and the competition has suddenly sparked him into life, then why not? Let's have two fullbacks that we can call upon and say, "Well, yeah, hang on, listen, let's keep the guy because if he's going to play like that week in week out, then this is great." Um, we know he's still going to be susceptible to the odd moment here and there, but. That was an encouraging performance from him. And he played as well in his last game that he had as well. He actually put in a reasonable performance there. So maybe, you know, Doherty coming in has kind of given him a bit more competition, made him put his head down a little bit and work a bit harder. And I tell you now, we'll probably see the benefits because it was a great performance, took his goal really well. 
you know, set up a couple and he was just a pain for United all day long. So got to give him credit because we jump on his back quick enough when when he has a bad game. So we, we should do the reverse and give him the full praise after a performance like that. Absolutely. I know football fans can be quite fickle and they can change their mind with, you know, game to game. So it does sometimes look like we're all praising Ore all of a sudden, but it's worthy praise. And like you say, now we've got competition for places. You'd like to think a smooth interchange, not a massive drop-off if Doherty doesn't play. It assists the squads. There's going to be so many minutes, so it does point to a very strong case for keeping Aurier. And if we can see more of this, then we, you know, we all win, really, don't we? We certainly won by 6-1, Patrick. And really, you know, by the time Kane slotted home, you're sort of thinking, how many men should have Man United had on the pitch? Now, I can't remember if it was before this or afterwards. It was all a bit of a blur, to be honest, there's so many goals. But should Luke Shaw have been sent off for his hack on Lucas Moura? Oh, 100%. I don't know if you saw when um, he hacked Mora down. Even Ole had his hand, you know, was was had his uh, hands in his head, running onto the pitch, almost thinking, "What the hell are you doing?" Like it was a it was a clear red. I don't understand how he didn't get a red card for that. And um, yeah, I know they were already beaten, but a red card is a red card offense, and he should have he should have walked for that challenge. No doubt about that. Yeah, because it's not just a goal-scoring opportunity, because I don't think it was necessarily that. But Cole, just, you know, endangered of the uh, opponent, uh, just a minus hat, really, and something that you would probably commend 20 years ago, but there's no real place for that in the game at the moment. No, and when you think back to, you know, the Son incident with Gomez um, and the fact that he got the red card and you're saying you're endangering an opponent, well, I don't see how sure can't have been sent off for a, a potentially endangering opponent when you're going to cynically scythe down someone the way he does there. I mean, you know, there's no telling that in that tackle there by kicking him, he breaks an ankle or a leg just by being as, you know, as cynical as he was. Um, and I think that one, you know, again, you know, I keep saying it when you see some of these instances. I would like to see officials get forced to come out and explain, can you tell me how that wasn't a straight red card? Because as Patrick said there, you can even see from the tackle when you see behind him and you see Solskjaer on the sideline, he knows it's a red. He thinks, well, that's it. I'm going to have another bloke sent off here now. Uh, and it is that sort of tackle shouldn't be in the game. As you say, Dan, you know, back in the 70s or 80s, people might have applauded that sort of tackle and said, yeah, well done. But I'm afraid we don't want to be seeing that on a football pitch. Um, and I'm just amazed that the red card wasn't shown. And I think probably most of the players were as well, to be honest. Well, that was just a head's gone, really, wasn't it? And he should have walked. Now, with that in mind, Patrick, should have Pogba walked as well. There was one on Hoiberg, a bit of a rake. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. And it's almost like the referee was feeling sorry for them yeah. so he didn't you know give it by the letter of the law uh was it Pogba should have walked and so should have Luke Shaw but the referee was like the game's done they've already held a spanking I'll just let it you know I'll let it go but that's not fair a red card is a red card and you know if they're gonna do cynical disgusting challenges like that they need to be you know reprimanded for it so I agree with you Pogba should have walked and definitely Luke Shaw should have walked yeah I mean it's basically just comes down to the fact that what if they finished the game with eight men and lost 6-1? You know, they probably would have lost even more. But it doesn't make it right, Patrick. Just because you are getting absolutely pumped doesn't mean it's a free-for-all in terms of tackles. But they seem to have got away with it in that respect. Not getting away with it on Thursday. Actually, one more question regarding Sunday, Cole. Um, how much 
of a sweet one will that be for Mourinho, considering he's got one over his former employer? Oh, yeah, it, everyone would love to do that, wouldn't you? You know, if you've been let go by someone, uh, to go back and be able to put a show like that and kind of embarrass embarrass the club, um, he would have been loving it, wouldn't he, Mourinho? You know, in outside, he's showing the car, Mourinho. Yeah, we've done our job, but inside, that's a big two fingers up to the to the board, isn't it, and the club to say, well, there you go. That's one for you. Thanks for letting me go. Um, you didn't do what I needed you to do for me. I've moved on and I've just come back to haunt you. So Mourinho would have been loving that. I think it was summed up best by that little smirk, wasn't it? You know, you could just see yeah. it just starting to break yeah. and you thought, yeah, we've done it. You know, I, I think as well you could see that in the Luke Shaw incident. Because you see Mourinho in that incident and he, he suddenly, you can see he's about to go mad. And I think then he suddenly realises, I don't need to go mad. Yeah. Uh, we've embarrassed them here. We've won this game. They're looking silly. I don't actually need to go mad. So I'm just going to sit here and kind of just be relaxed because I don't need to do anything else. Of course, if it's say one all and we're hunting down a winner and he gets chopped, that's a different reaction, isn't it? You know, there's a pant- he's on the pitch at that point. Isn't yeah, he? you know, Mourinho's <laughs> on the pitch. You'd have a pantomime wave of a card and all sorts, wouldn't you? But as you say, yeah. you're six one up. Like, do you really need to go through all this? You don't. Just let them have their their moment and just you know let the game fizzle out as it did. It certainly didn't fizzle out on Thursday as we romped to a seven two win over Maccabi Haifa. Patrick, if there's one note we need to make about Joe Hart, he seems to be a little bit indifferent to long-range screamers at the moment. I know, it's like he keeps getting caught out. And yes, they're long-range screamers and some of them are top bins or as close as you can get. But it's it's, a, it's frustrating because if he was possibly on his line or not on his line, but, you know, just better positioned, he might have got being able to get a hand or tip to it. Because, yeah, he keeps getting caught out with these long-range shots. And it's almost like the coach is telling him, you know what, shoot on sight because he's susceptible from from, uh, from distance. Because um, I think Joe Hart did play quite well, but it is frustrating that he keeps getting you know caught with these bangers from long range. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, you've got to tip your cap to both goal scorers because they are fantastic goals. It's just, it's, I wouldn't say it's a worrying trend, but it's a bit like, hang on, you've played a number of matches now, a small handful, and you've been caught out by some absolute rockets. So other clubs in the Europa League or the teams we've got coming up in the group will be thinking, well, if he plays, that's what we're going to try first. Talking of the group though, Cole, what do you make of it? Yeah, uh, to be honest, look, we we knew the group wasn't going to be that exciting. It's not um, glamour, is it? It's not glamour. The Europa League, half the time, it, it's never glamour in the group stages. But the one thing you can be pretty sure of, and, and I'm not getting too cocky or confident here, but that's a group we should get through. And we should be able to kind of rotate the squad, not necessarily need to play our full full strength first 11 all the time get through nicely, get the job done. And then once we're in the knockouts, then it's a serious business uh, and we'll do what we need to do there. So, you know, it, it was a, it was a sort of group we was expecting to get. There's some horrible little journeys in there, but ultimately you're sitting there looking at it thinking, yeah, we'll get through that. Um, so, you know, we say without wanting to sound too confident, bring on the knockouts in theory. So, Patrick, I think we're pre-tournament favourites. Now, that comes with a caveat that there are still eight teams to drop out of the Champions League. So that might change the odds. But with that said, is that a fair ranking that we've got at the moment? Oh, that's interesting. I didn't realise that. Um, yeah, I mean, if you look at our squad and our manager, we should definitely be up there. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, you don't want to get too too confident and too cocky so early on. But we're definitely in that competition to win it. There's no doubt about it. 
yeah, I mean, you can't win it before Christmas. You just need to make sure you're still in it after mm. Christmas, don't you? So it would have to take some Herculean collapse for us not to get out of the group. Famous last words. But looking at that group... Or, or Dan, this will be the year Bayern, PSG <laughs> and all that. <laughs> I know, no, don't oh, say that. God. Don't say that. You said it now, can't you? Yeah, I imagine know, that. The, oh. the way it started so far this season, I wouldn't count anything out. Oh, it's man, just man, luck. Man. I know, someone like Barcelona would drop out. Oh, man, can you imagine? Like well, you mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned PSG actually, Cole, and Deli Ali has been linked with him in the past week or two. But with cameos against Maccabi Haifa and also on Sunday, if something dramatically happens in the next, what, 90 minutes from this recording, it looks like he's going to be at the club until at least January and not the outcast that everyone fought a week or so ago. Yeah, I'm hoping so. I mean, I don't think any of us really wanted to see him leave because I think we're all hoping, aren't we, that Delhi can get back to the sort of form um, that we know he can do. And he's put in some reasonably, you know, decent cameos where he's done a couple of good things. There is a worry there about how Mourinho views him. I still think Mourinho is just trying to dig him to get more out of him and kind of make him fight and show some fighting spirit to get back in that side and become the better player that he knows he has. Um, so I'm glad he'll still be around, hopefully, as you say, unless something mental happens um, in the next hour, which I don't see happening. I think it's just a case of Mourinho's poked Delhi. He wants to see a reaction. He's going to edge him back in. And then, you know, that's hope this works and that we get the player we know we've got because obviously, you know, he is a great, you know, he has got the ability. He just maybe needs a little change in his attitude. And then before long, you never know, he could be back in that side regularly. But if not, he gives us great options. Um, and, and I think he'll be OK. Well, I think personally, the fact that we are advancing in the Carabao Cup probably leans towards him staying because Mourinho can say, look, there are going to be minutes for you. I'm going to need you at some point, so don't go anywhere. I think had we not beaten Chelsea, there may have been scope for a loan move, but you know that's just my theory off the top of the head with minutes remaining in the show. So the final question for you, Patrick, is Matt Doherty was caught out by another penalty incident on Thursday. Again, due to the context of the scores at the time, didn't make too much difference in the grand scheme of things, but you're sort of thinking that's even more harsh than the one against Southampton. Yeah, I miss... I don't know. What do you do? It's like... Well, what can you do? Like, <laughs> exactly. What can you do? It's it's crazy. They really need to just uh, look at that rule because in, on both uh, penalties that Doherty gave away, what could he do? Like, what can he actually do in that in that respect? So you're going to get to a point where players will literally just be booting the ball at players' arms and then screaming at the referee for penalties. It's, it's ridiculous. But like you said, luckily, the score, it didn't really mean much in, in, in the case of both games because the score... We had already won the games anyway. So, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. But it's just one of those things at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a small gripe. And we shouldn't gripe because we've had such a good week. So let's end on a good note. And that's also that good note is that we've got something to celebrate again. Because this show has now reached 25,000 listeners. So thank you to everyone. I mean, this from the bottom of my heart. A big shout to anyone and everyone who's listened thus far. I think this is episode 39. So we're doing good guns. Um, so yes, Carl, have you got anything to add to that? No, as you say, Dan, I appreciate everyone who listens, all the guests like Patrick and Nat who come on and Holly, you know, all those guys who've come on, you know, some, we've had some of the ex-players, haven't we, you know, Mickey Hazard, Darren Anderton, you know, all those people who've given up their time to come and talk all things Spurs. So it's just a massive thank you to them. You know, everyone who listens, you know, we want to hear from you. So, you know, we want your questions. We want your feedback. 
you know, as you've said before, Dan, we're always willing to have new people come on the show. And if you want to come on, just, you know, drop us a message. Um, but yeah, brilliant. Thanks. Because yeah, without them, we probably would have given up a long time ago. Absolutely, mate. And of course, it is nothing without the guests, guests such as Patrick. Patrick, not only sterling work tonight, really enjoyed this, but thank you for your efforts thus far over the past year or so. I think it's our birthday later this month, actually. So thank you for all the time you've given us. Wow, well done. And a little round of applause yes. for me there. Cheers, Patrick. But, <laughs> no, but no, much appreciated. It's been a pleasure ever since the first time I've come on. I really look forward to it. And yeah, I love interacting with like-minded Spurs fans. So it's brilliant. Top man, we'll have you back in a few weeks' time, I promise you. And Cole, you'll be running the channels not only uh, tonight, but next week also. Yep, definitely looking forward to it, Dan. You know, go and have a massage now. You know, rest the muscles because it's been a, a busy period for us. So, <laughs> But we'll come back stronger. Yes, there's no rest of the wicked for us because although it's international break this week, well, it's now really, we've got plenty to talk about. We haven't even talked transfers, really. So we're going to do all that next week so we get a sort of Lie of the land, plus the uh, transfer window is finally slammed shut. So that's all done. We'll look at the league campaign thus far, have a bit of a deeper dive as to the league table. I know it doesn't mean too much, but we can sort of start to get context, context sorry, as to where points can be won in the next month. And that also means we can look ahead to what's on the agenda with those next set of fixtures, be it West Ham, Burnley and the like. Right, with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And as always, come on you Spurs! For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.